Hello everybody, this is Curtis from Tremble letting you know that we are brought to you by Shudder. Shudder is the horror movie streaming service that brings you all the latest and greatest that horror has to offer. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can use TremblePod, that's T-R-E-M-B-L-E-P-O-D, when you sign up for an account. This will give you a free 30-day trial on us, so you can check it out for yourself. With that said, let's get on with this week's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Tremble, the horror movie podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is Steve. Hello. And, uh, Steve, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. It's a, it's an odd week. It's an odd week for us. It's the extra episode, but it's a, I, I mean, it's a, it's a good reason that we're here talking today, and we also have another cool uh, killer movie to talk about. Uh, but I won't talk about how what I feel about the second part of this one. <laughs> Uh, and I'm glad that we're not talking about part two because, oh man, I just have nothing but vitriol about that movie. <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah, it's like, well, we're going to be talking about it this week, but really it's a stealth move because you think, oh, I, I like it. I can't wait for them to talk about it. But we're also talking about a short film that's come out called Crumbs. And we're lucky enough to have the directors uh, on here as well for that and uh we have here jesse nelson and cody nelson who you know it's saturday my brain's not functioning properly and i <laughs> and i only now realize that you two are brothers so <laughs> a kudos for making a movie and b making a movie with your brother because i don't think i could make that happen with my brother it would just be like physically impossible we would just be like bickering the whole time so um i think but, uh, i think we surprised ourselves too <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for having us, guys. This is the voice of Jesse, by the way. Nice. And this is Cody. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so, you know, a little bit of a different format. We're going to talk about it, but we're going to take a little bit of a break. Normally, when we take, talk about emails, to talk about crumbs. Because I think when people watch the two, they're going to realize there's a there's some similarities. And we'll get to that when we talk about crumbs a bit more. Because I think there's a lot of other uh, horror movie influences. But... I think it's safe to assume that if people like horror movies, they will very safely enjoy crumbs. Uh, Steve, would you agree with that? Oh, I definitely, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and it's got that domestic horror to it too that I think is very uh, relatable on, on a large degree. Maybe not directly, but uh, we've all known people in those situations. So, totally. yeah, it, it's got that real life horror to it as well. Yeah. Uh, the official summary of it from 2017. We should mention we're not what, talking about the TV movie. That uh, that's a entirely different beast. Uh, but uh, 2017 film, seven young outcasts in Derry, Maine, are about to face their worst nightmare. Nightmare, sorry, an ancient shape-shifting evil that emerges from the sewer every 27 years to prey on the town's children. Band together over the course of one horrifying summer. The friends must overcome their own personal fears to battle the murderous, bloodthirsty clown known as Pennywise. Um, yeah, and uh, Justin Cody, you guys are a guest. When was the first time you guys watched it from 2017? Um, Cody, did we see that one together in the movie theater? Yeah, yeah we saw that opening night, I believe. We saw Ooh. it at the movie theater at a VIP cinema. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we were really excited to see it. The trailers looked awesome for it, and we were really stoked. We brought a bunch of our friends. When you could do that, go to the theater with some friends. Uh, yeah, <laughs> funny, we all funny, watched. Funny. <laughs> Sorry. Good, no, go ahead. 
I was going to say, funny little story. We actually went and saw it with somebody who, as a child, uh, was so haunted by that movie that he himself wanted to become a murderer in elementary school. Oh, and he boy. Told, he told his teachers that the, he wanted to become a murderer so that he could kill it and protect people from it. Okay. And um, we had we got to go see uh, the movie with somebody like that as if it was like a therapeutic session for him to revisit that film. <laughs> it the original. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Um, gosh, Steve, when was the first time you watched this movie? I feel like you and I might have the same answer for this. But... I, I think we were at the same uh, advanced screening for it, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah. And this one was a special one to me because it actually, um, I, the movie, I believe the movie was out. Yeah, the movie, the Friday would have been September 8th, and September 6th is actually my birthday. So the screening would have been on the 6th, which is my birthday. And I was like, jack to the gills to see this movie because um it like the novel has such a it's such a huge part of like my formative reading years and everything and 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 what um kind of spoke to me storytelling wise and everything uh, mm -hmm. was kind of formulated by this and stephen king's the stand um just like very important important stories to me and i really like the um the the miniseries version but there is just such something so limiting to uh writing for network television especially in the in you know the the early 90s that you're not going to be able to get everything fully realized and i really like the 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 approach that uh, andy machete was going to take to this by adapting uh carrie fukunawa's uh screenplay and just doing like the kids story first and then separating into the second movie mm. which i'd rather not talk about in any shape or form um but they, I mean, he made a really special fucking movie with this one. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was way better than I could have ever thought it was going to be. Um, so, yeah, this one this one blew me away. Because, I mean, I liked Mama. Um, I thought it was a good movie. And I thought uh, Andy Machete had, like, an interesting uh, horror uh, vision. But I didn't know how grand it would go with this one. Yeah. I know, well... <laughs> Whenever, when we go to these advanced screeners, I think Steve knows us mm -hmm. very well. Uh, oftentimes, we like to partake in smoking a little bit of weed before the movie <laughs> starts. Uh, and I think that was, in the case of there's two movies where I distinctly recall that being a terrible idea. Uh, one was the Pet Cemetery reboot. <laughs> So that was <laughs> Actually, I'm gonna say three because also the Invisible Man was also a bad one to smoke weed before because I was just like paranoid as fucking watching that movie. Yeah, anxiety, man. <laughs> anxiety yeah. to a T with so, that movie. It was awful. I mean, great movie, but like, uh, not right headspace. But yeah, I watched this one as well, and uh, yeah, it was a uh, very intense experience. I was already like, oh boy, this is. I was I was looking forward to it, but I was also like, I, I'm I'm not in the right headspace for this but it was good and i think uh what i think makes this movie is not quite the horror because the horror is there it's good but mm -hmm. it's also like the human element too and the humor and like the way the kids interact with each other it's so heartfelt and genuine that you sort of just feel like these are kids you would actually know in real life like these are not some made for tv or made for movie kids that just really don't actually exist in this world so I think mm -hmm. that's the one thing about this movie that I've always fondly looked back on is the fact that, yeah, this movie does have kids that are really relatable. So, mm -hmm. and Yeah, totally. The, ki the, t the kids have such great chemistry in this movie. Yeah. 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 
And I, I think it's also uh, whether, uh, I mean, the layman, uh, the, the layman or mainstream film watcher is not going to really pick up on this as much. But I also think it's like all the, the elements all work in this one besides your cast and your script and everything. Because, uh, I mean, uh, Benjamin w uh, Walfish doing the, the music for it, he adds such a, like an interesting atmosphere to this. And as a guy that at that time, we didn't really didn't know who this guy is. And now, of course, uh, this weekend, he just did Mortal Kombat, which he kind of adds uh, elements to that movie as well. Uh, and then uh, Chun Hu Chung, who uh, I mean, North American audiences really don't know who that guy is, but he's Park Chan Wook's cinematographer. Did Old Boy, Thirst, uh, The Handmaiden, just like so many really, really rich feeling cinema. Mm -hmm. And uh, to add that to a horror film uh, brings it to a just a, a completely different level. I think. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's just. It's working on so many different levels, like the music and the humor and the cinematography is just astounding. Yeah. But uh, also very similar to it is the movie that you guys worked on, which is Crumbs, which, yeah, both Steve and I have watched a uh, fantastic short little film and uh, a one that I think works really effectively for the time that it's working with. I mean, it, this is not a full feature length film, we should say, but like, really for the time that you're working with, you managed to get across a lot in the way of like story character stuff, a good amount of horror. Um, what, like, I know it obviously factored into this a little bit. Like what were your other influences in terms of coming up with crumbs? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it, it was one of the first things. Um, so crumbs was actually um, inspired by a 15 second horror that uh, Cody and I created in our early careers of our production company. And uh, it started off as just a, a clown that essentially lives under the table. And it's like a place where if kids wanted to hide their food, uh, if you didn't have any food for him, he was going to eat you. And that was kind of like my little idea there. And it kind of grew on me. And I kept saying, I'm like, why does the clown always have to be eating the kids? Like, yeah. or, or the monster under the table. Why, why can't there be a clown that wants to help the children rather than eat them? And so that's kind of where that idea started to evolve. And I was kind of like, what if, you know, the clown needs to eat? That's, the, you know, we all know the clown wants to eat. So what if these kids could barter with this clown under the table, give him some food, but instead he would help them in exchange for their food? Mm. And that idea kind of grew and grew and um, it stayed in my head. And that's kind of what got us to the point of uh, pitching it to Crazy Eights um, as our short film entry. That's awesome. um, yeah, we had lots of other films along the way that we started to feel out. Um, the Crow was a big one as far as like how he looked and, and kind of what he was up to. Uh, you know, I like that revenge story and the graphic novel aspect of it, of, uh, of, of him. And, you know, he talks in... He talks in riddles or, or sorry, uh, poems. He talks in poems. And so we thought it would be cool if uh, Crumbs talked in rhymes from his book. And, you know, right. obviously, if you look look at the uh, makeup of Crumbs, there's definitely some similar vibes there as well. Um, and so, yeah, that we kind of took some inspirations from a lot of things. You know, Donnie Darko was a big one as far as, like, the Invisible Friend aspect. Originally, it was um, It meets Drop Dead Fred, uh, oh, which nice. a lot of people haven't seen that film. Um but if you haven't, basically, it's just about a girl who has an imaginary friend and grows up and never loses that imaginary friend and mm. kind of has to deal with what that's like to for other people and outside perspectives to see her as crazy. And so we really liked going with that vibe. That's awesome. I, I love the tinge to, to Crumbs is that he's an imaginary friend. And uh, I mean, 
inevitably leaving, leading somebody down a path that's going to get them to a lot of trouble. But uh, essentially, with that dark, extremely dark and sinister edge, he's not wrong. And what he, the things that he's doing, he, he's pushing confidence. He's pushing you to stand up for yourself. Was not a bad thing, but the outcome is not ideal. Obviously, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I think what we wanted to do is, you know, when it started to evolve as well, we were thinking about the uh, the mental illness aspect of, you know, a child going through so much that he eventually breaks and his survival instincts kick in. And essentially, basically, crumbs is his mental illness coming into full play. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is that he's got this imaginary friend and nothing is panning out the way he wants. So now the imaginary friend who is everything he is not. Uh, everything Shiloh is not decides that he's going to take over and he's going to handle things his way. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Do you think um, that you know because you you brought up mental illness and everything, which does play a factor in it? Do you think that there's more of an avenue now in 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 filmmaking and and in horror in general to to use mental illness uh, not as as like a trope or just like a story point, but to use it as a broader message or moral now? Do you think that there's more acceptance to that to that tone? Uh yeah, definitely. I think that, you know, one of the main messages in this film was more for the parents. Mm. Uh, this was more like, you know, I, I don't truly believe that everyone is fit to be a parent. I think that some people, you know, need to seek out their own uh, mental health conditions. The idea is this in this film, the stepfather, he probably went with, through stuff as, as a kid. And that's why he's, you know, the way he is. Uh, the idea is that these these bullies are probably going through their own things at home. There's all these different versions of this, but this kid's just really getting the brunt of it all. And he basically, you know, it's 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 either him or the the bullies and the stepdads win. And there's the, this element of he needed to survive, and this is where what he did, what he turned to to survive, mm -hmm. which was for the the earliest moments of happiness with his father and this book they created together. And that was the only time he felt protected and felt safe. And so he used what he knew and he, and he, and it came out in a monster form. Uh, the idea that he needed a bigger, more scarier monster than the monsters. He was only, he was already facing in his real life problems to basically help him survive. Yeah. Which is cra crazy. Cause the, the stepdad is kind of like the true monster because like mm -hmm. the, the you know the kids you know i'm not going to say kids being kids cuz kids generally suck in a large <laughs> degree when it comes to like that pack mentality and shit like that yeah. and trying yeah. to be the quote unquote alpha which is feels like such an outdated thing now mm -hmm. um but like i mean the stepfather like he's manipulated that family from the beginning you know what i mean mm -hmm. so it's not it's not like it is a true evil um so it's just like well we're going to have to get a more maybe crumbs is a more ancient evil to eradicate something that's that's more uh modern and and more close to this kid's life well in a, in a way it's interesting that like you introduce the stepfather and the, and the bullies and then you introduce crumbs and by the time you introduce crumbs like yeah the way he does things is very questionable but compared to all these other forces in shiloh's life you're like he's not so bad like he's kind of <laughs> helping out but like you know, it, it's because you juxtapose it with, like, yeah, the abusive stepfather and the uh, bullies and all that. And uh, it's just interesting that there's such a, 
a dichotomy there of all these different types of what you would consider quote unquote evil uh even though yeah like for the step of the 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 stepfather as an instance like he probably does come from a questionable childhood like maybe he was abused maybe there was some other elements that factored into that but like he still is considered evil even if there's a little asterisk there saying oh no he might have there might have been something else that, that caused this but he's still not a good person so yeah yeah exactly um, and I think there's also the, the potential that, you know, who knows what he went through as, as a kid and what his survival instincts were. Maybe, you know, I imagine he actually experienced, I mean, I'm not going to say anybody's childhood is worse or better than anyone else's. No, no one's traumas outweigh another. Yeah. But I think, you know, he probably went through some really messed up stuff and a way earlier time uh, mm -hmm. where things where it was, you know, we wanted to, it to take place in a time where people would look the other way if they're, if they hit their kids and things like that. And, you know, it still happens to this day, but like, you know, it's, it's a lot more, people are a lot more vocal about these situations, seek out more help these days. Um, but we, we wanted to, you know, there, there's, there's definitely, you know, a scene in there where you kind of get this idea that he's not happy and he wants to get out of this place as well. And um, back in the day, I'm sure he was conquering his own monsters and also creating his own to survive. And maybe his monster just became him and got the best of him. And that's why he is the way he is. Whereas in this story, you see Shiloh create his monster and you know, what happens next is kind of up in the air still, uh, in the, in, in, in the, you know, the adventures of Shiloh and, and crumbs. But I think <laughs> the idea is you see that, uh, things aren't going well. <laughs> no. So, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely uh, would recommend that people check out Crumbs. Where can they find Crumbs if they want to watch it online? Like, what's the best way for their, for them to watch it? Um, well, we're doing the official screening on May 1st. Uh, so this will probably be out after that, I'm assuming, right? Before. We'll, we'll put it out today. So people... Okay. Well, it, oh, cool, cool, cool. If you are in BC, you can get a ticket to um, the Crazy Eights Gala which is on May 1st, and you can watch it there. And if you don't catch it there, you might have to wait until it hits the festival circuits, actually. So that might be your best way to watch it. Just get uh, on the Crazy Eights website and get a ticket to the to the gala. Yeah, and if you've got, like, a local festival, like I know we have fans in, like, Austin, Texas and stuff like that, hey, maybe just put a word in with your local festival. Say, hey, I want to see mm -hmm. Crumbs. Yeah, yeah, we'd love to play in Austin. Austin's a great city, and I don't just say that because they have great food, but they also have a great <laughs> film community as well. It's like well. an additional piece. Totally. Yeah, they also have the world's greatest bar handlebar. Shout out to that bar because it's <laughs> the world's greatest yeah. bar. I think it's been... We're, we're, Sorry, oh, go ahead. We're, um, we're really hoping that uh, the world opens back up in time for festival season so we can actually travel to these places. Yeah, you know, um, I was talking to a friend the other day, and we were talking about, like, traveling, and, and then I had this, like, moment where I was like, how long ago was that? And it's like, gosh, that's not something I should ever be <laughs> thinking or feeling. This. <laughs> what was the last time that I went on? But, uh, yeah, well, let's uh, circle back around to it to 2017 there. Um, we do some awards here, so, you know, that favorite line. Do you guys have a favorite line from the movie? Ooh, uh, the one that comes to uh, mind for me is when <laughs> I think it's, it's Eddie and he's talking to his mom and he says, I know what these are. These are gazebos, but he's trying to say placebos. Okay. Go on. Sorry. Uh, wait, no, you you finish. <laughs> oh, no, I was just saying that's the one that always gets me. And that one just cracks me up. <laughs> I love the humor in this movie so much. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, I'm gonna say actually because I just watched it um, when uh, I don't I don't know the character's name, um, but the kid that's obsessed with boys and uh, new kids on the block, and mm. he bumps into uh, the the girl. I'm the name. I'm Beverly. bad with the names. Beverly, Beverly, and then he and then she's far away, and he's like, "Come back, girl." He's like, "That's <laughs> also one of the one of the songs they do." And she can't hear it, but <laughs> I thought that was really fun. That's one of my favorite lines. Yeah. What about you, Steve? Uh, I mean, my number one always, and I think it goes back to the book too, and it is beep beep Richie. I just, I, I, it's like <laughs> such a selling point for the whole thing. I also, I, I mean, Bill Skarsgård is so incredible in any line oh, yeah. delivery in this whole mood. The the pauses, the the str- the the stringing along of words and stuff, mm-hmm. the the weird drooling in scenes. Like he's he just adds so much richness to every line that he gives. But uh, I mean, beyond that, uh, Richie Tozer is the MVP of of lines of this whole movie, and uh, Finn Wolfhard just delivers mm-hmm. it every time. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, all these kids are are so incredibly veteran feeling, like immediately in this movie, and uh, oh, just a couple of them I hadn't seen before. So Phil Lewis I hadn't seen before. Uh, Jack, Jack Dylan Grazer, who is like now since he was he's in Shazam. Uh, yeah. He just did the "Don't Tell a Soul" with uh, Rain Wilson, which is really surprising out of nowhere that I really liked. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had an HBO show like "We Are Who We Are" or something like that. It was also really good. Well, I know I remember Jaden Martell. He was in Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy. That's like, the only yeah. thing I remember. I just remember being like, "Hey, it's the dude from Guardians of the Galaxy. That's good for him." But then you watch it, you're like, "Oh, like in that movie, he had like." A, like not too much dialogue and then this is no. just full blown well um, i would also like uh, for him like like kind of top on his list and it's just not horror related at all or or sci- well kind of sci-fi but a midnight special mm. the movie written and directed by jeff nichols it's like i ca- i called it southern fried spielberg like it was one of my favorite movies that year i think it came out like a month after tomorrowland or something like that and it was like tomorrowland was a movie i was really looking forward to and it was just like kind of a wet fart of a movie and then um uh midnight special came out and they're like that's how you do a story like that like that was excellent so uh and jane martell is a big reason why and of course michael shannon uh but he was also in book of henry which i never will oh. anybody who made that movie <laughs> well that's the movie technically or or rumored that's the movie that got carlin trevorrow fired from jurassic the jurassic world or no both uh, Jurassic, the Jurassic World sle- sequel, Fallen yeah. Kingdom, and Star Wars. Like, it tanked him from two movies. And if you've seen that movie, you would know why. It's not a good movie. But uh-huh. to get tanked from two flagpole movies for making one bad movie has, has to be a filmmaker's fucking nightmare. Yeah. I mean, well, we have two filmmakers here. Would that be, like, <laughs> literal nightmare? I, I don't want to assume anything, but, I'm a, but I would assume that... It, it has to do with the fact that he's probably not great to work with either. Like it's a combination. Like when, if you're not good to work with, and then also you make a bad movie, they're really quick to kick you out. So like that, I don't want to make assumptions, but I I know they turned his, uh, they're making a comic out of his star Wars script. So, you know, there's always light for these things. Uh, My favorite line, and at least when rewatching this uh, is when Pennywise says, calls Ben egg boy. I don't know why, but I just, laughed so hard when he called him <laughs> Pennywise. It's like Pennywise has the, the worst insults, but also they're 
they're still kind of funny in a way. I don't know. It, there's just an oddity to Bill Skarsgård's performance in this. Well, and it's I think they do like I think they managed to capture a little of it well because um Pennywise has this deeper knowledge of everyone because he kind of he feeds on the soul of Derry. Like he is like a piece of that that town's bloodline and stuff. And you I think you see it most in the in the scenes with Ben in the in the library and stuff and how mm-hmm. he's just like kind of like a, a, a consistent piece in the city. He's just part of the foundation and everything. And that's what makes him scarier and, and, and more of the ultimate evil and stuff is he's he's part of the forefather stuff of what created the town. So it's uh, if they got to go way deeper, like they get to do in the book, it would, I think it would have fleshed it a lot, a lot more, but it also would have made stuff a little too on the nose maybe. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, he's basically the imaginary trauma clown of the whole town. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cause they're all going, it's just like the sad, depressing town and all the parents have already dealt with him and some of them survived, but they're, obviously all really fucked up still and yeah. uh i think i think i think that you know uh, again bill skarsgård was meant to play this part <laughs> oh, <laughs> absolutely. His, face, his facial expressions everything was just phenomenal so i think again I, I agree i think this one was quite the masterpiece as far as yeah. uh, a remake goes probably one of the best remakes uh for a horror film i've seen to be honest oh yeah sure I would agree, and that I, I, I'm gonna touch on the second one for a, for just a moment. But I think that's what makes me so mad about how yeah. they deal with Adrian <laughs> Mellon, his storyline, the being because his that storyline is such a huge integral part of the evil that runs the the, the city as well, and not just like an ancient evil, but just kind of like uh, the sociological evil and and, and stuff. And I, I think it's something that got harped a little too hard on in uh, later on in the movie and they just kind of made a bad avenue out of it um but yeah that fucking I think... cast man that cast i waited for that cast in that film for so yep. long to be that disappointed right? <laughs> like I was, and they're... i was hyping it up so often i remember just being like look at this cast how does this go bad I know, and yeah. none of them are very good. Maybe outside a couple of moments with Bill Hader, but like yeah, none yeah. of them are very good. Even Jessica Chastain isn't great. No, like, yeah. and it's like the like she. I think she was the biggest money cast of all of them. They're like, well, seeing Sophia Lillis, you're like, well, the next progression of who the, should play the adult is Jessica Chastain. It just kind of works, right? So I, and I think she was pretty early on board because she has a the pre existing friendship with uh, Andy Machete. Um, but yeah, none of them are very good at all in that movie. And then they have like the weird, uh, the 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 weird uh, gay relationship between uh, Eddie and Richie, which doesn't make much sense contextually <laughs> as far as the way the characters were developed. And uh, yeah, there's just so much weirdness and 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 goofiness. Like there's so many scenes in that movie that are straight up not scary at all, not even like chilling. They're just goofy and corny and campy and bad and and horribly cg'd there's so much cg in that movie that it was like you let that go that's that's what your final thought was on that one <laughs> i think you can tell that it chapter two is not a good movie because if you look at a lot of the talent they're you know like stars on the rise on the rise on the rise then that movie comes out then like nothing <laughs> like i'm looking at a bunch of the actors and stuff and it's sad but like you know, like a lot of them after that movie came out, just kind of like you would think that would be a big break for him, but 
didn't quite work out that way, I don't think. Hey, so. Isaiah Do Mustafa think... couldn't even go back to Old Spice commercials. So. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a couple of years. I'm curious. Do you think it's possible to make a good version of like the second part of it? Like, I feel like that's where the miniseries kind of fell apart too. Is like the second, the second episode. Oh, I think it's yeah, it's the harder. It is the harder sell. I think it's tougher for sure. I think what really you know would make it better is if you can make that story work well on its own. I think the problem with the it chapter two is even with the miniseries, the the story doesn't work on its own. It really is. And it's not even effectively done so, like, contingent on the first half of that movie or series. Like, if you're going to, well, we all know they're probably going to reboot it once more in our lifetimes. But, like, when they do, like, (laughs) It Chapter 2 has to be working on its own. It doesn't have to be, it shouldn't be so reliant on the first one. I think part of the reason I didn't like the second one so much was, like, I get why they wanted to bring back the kids. But, like, it really just made it where, like it took away from the movie and the performances of the actors that were playing the adults. Cause it's like, you just brought in those kids and that whole scene was so weird too. I was just like, no. yeah, I, I, I think it should have been so much darker. Like, I mean, the first one was, was very dark, but again, mm-hmm. with the right amount of humor that it still kept you laughing before it, you know, made you cringe in a yeah. good way. Uh, the second one just made you cringe in a bad way all the way through. And I think that, <laughs> um, I think that it should have just been really dark. And, yeah. and and less less goofy and you know they would have had a, a more solid movie 100 percent. Yeah. it was absolutely hyper color the second movie and and maybe like maybe the first movie was colorful like more colorful than we remember in 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 retrospect but i think it, again it brings it back to um the sepianess of the the cinematography of the film the and, and the twisted um the way that 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 film really um twisted its vision like i i even from the the start of the just the 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 title crawl of coming out of the sewer and everything there was seemed to be a going down the drain feel about the cinematography and then it's like the the second movie is a completely different feel you have somebody scoring you have somebody scoring the movie is completely different you have somebody doing doing the cinematography is completely different i didn't think the art direction was completely different on it and it's like it's it's a complete inconsistency and i mean to kurt's point uh, maybe it's scare the first movie is more effective because we just focus on the kids so it's from a kid's point of view it is far more scarier but what they could have played on more and what the book does play on more uh, uh, when when they're adults is the compounded trauma of that. But instead, mm. they have this stupid, dopey trope as none of these fuckers remember any of the shit until shit really starts happening to them again in the <laughs> town. And it's it's like, how do you forget that deep-seated trauma? You know what I mean? Like, I still fucking remember being shown traces or faces of death when I was fucking 13, 14 years old. And that's so far different of a traumatic experience. Than that. <laughs> like, how do you fucking forget? Like, I, 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 like, they're trying to do this mystical angle of why you forget, but it's so stupid. It, yeah. it, it hurts the story big time. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Also, like, I just like to say, you were mentioning, yeah, the visual effects earlier, and, like, this one just has such a great blend of visual effects and practical effects. Mm -hmm. And then the Mm -hmm. second one just totally goes overboard with all the visual effects, and it just doesn't even look good anymore. Yeah. And I was really looking forward to a way better ending, too. I mean, that's something that we can talk about in a lot of Stephen King films, 
uh, or or just <laughs> in general uh, with his stories. But like, I just thought they would have done like it was it was better than the original, I think. But it was still weird, and it still wasn't like you know a, a giant spider alien. You know, like I don't know. I thought they were gonna do like really blow us away since they had an opportunity, and they didn't. No. And it was the one sticking point that we came away from from the original one of like, oh, a giant fucking stupid spider. And it's the one thing that they couldn't, what, avoid again? Like, it's yeah. like they know that feedback. They've had that test audience feedback for so fucking long that they can't they can't be like, oh, well, we shouldn't do that. No, they steered directly right back into it again. It's 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 absolutely ridiculous. And I, I, I mean, sorry, I was gonna say, but we'll make him a baby, too. Yeah. Oh my God. I even see. This is why I don't want to get into the second. Movie. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Once we no. uncork Steve on the second movie, it's hard to put that cork back in. Uh, yeah. Oh God. Yeah. That's ex it's exactly it. It's just like when you said that I hated cinema because I did I didn't enjoy the Justice League as much. I was like, all right, the cork's out. <laughs> now it's on. Um, but funny. I, I, I will say that the 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 one I I, th I think the maybe the one special effect. Um, that maybe doesn't go over as intended is the the pe Pennywise the uh, the dancing clown um, stage marionette scene towards the end of the first film mm. with okay. the weird the weird dancing clown thing. But like that one's like a weird feeling because you're laughing about how goofy it looks, but then it continues on a little too creepily long, and then the laughter it kind of becomes more unsettled as you're like chuckling more to yourself. So maybe it's effective in that way. I, I'm not sure if that one is like a weakness or, or a benefit to it, but it's just that's probably one of the the small things that I pull out of this movie that I, I I'm not hugely on board with. Yeah. Mm. No, I definitely remember that scene and watching it at the screener and just being like, okay, like that that <laughs> felt like just not necessary in this movie at all. Um, yeah, best performance in this movie. Do you guys have a favorite? I would say Bill Skarsgård. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can't, you, you can't, you can't avoid that. It's got to be Bill Skarsgård. I mean, the kid that plays I mean, Richie, Finn Wolfhard, pretty uh, good. Finn Wolfhard. Yeah. yeah. Well, obviously, like, all of the kids give great performances. Also, uh, yeah. Sophia, who plays Beverly, I thought she was amazing. But it's just, like, Bill Skarsgård just gave a performance of the ages with Pennywise. Oh, totally. Uh, I thought the main bully was really good. Um, oh yeah, I'm a big fan of his. Oh, he's quite evil. Yes, yeah, and and he, I think he got, he was also in the the recent remake of The Stand, as well. Okay. So it's like, it's like, yeah, he's like a Stephen King worker now, or something. Yeah. Like he should show up in a in a in a, a creep show episode now or something, just to there make it go. a full full trifecta. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They had a really good bully crew in general. That was a lot of our inspiration towards the bullies we used in Crumbs, to be honest. Mm -hmm. makes sense too because it's like they're bullies and it's like it feels slightly elevated from reality the like uh, like watching this movie and even watching crumbs to agree i'm like did i ever have bullies like that like i don't remember bullies being this mean but you know i, I think it's also like the reality is, is that yeah there are people like that out there but it's mm -hmm. uh it's just interesting because i was watching rewatching it and i'm like okay i mean yeah there were some jerks but like nothing like this like nothing that bad but you know yeah i think it's just like the trauma of the town like just turns these kids into like completely um horrible monsters <laughs> like yeah and uh, yeah our, our our bullies in our movie too like there's just like really little irredeemable factors in there <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, well, I mean, look at their parents, too. Like, all the parents are really messed up in this. Like, Beverly's mm -hmm. dad, holy shit. That was a yeah. creepy father-daughter situation going on there. And you totally. really got uncomfortable with those scenes. Mm -hmm. And then, like all the other, all the other parents don't really give a shit, and that's the, that's like kind of like the point in the book as well is like, uh, it's like almost lawless times of the kids of like they're just kind of roaming doing their thing until something starts picking them off, mm -hmm. and it, it takes a while for the parents to even start to notice, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then you know as the as the missing signs start to gather and everything, then all of a sudden curfews and blah blah blah, and they they start to pay attention to it but it's ne the the parents never believe that some evil thing or there's something picking the kids off like there's mm -hmm. never a belief of that um which is funny because like when this movie um you know in, two, in 2017 the new hotness of, of it and everything well i think that was roughly around stranger things picking up steam and everything yeah uh mm -hmm. And again, in that, it's like a harkening back to the 80s as well, where the, you know, the parents let the kids do whatever the fuck they wanted mm -hmm. and they weren't hugely involved, you know? So it's like it I for a modern kid, it must be really weird to see a film like that. Oh, totally. For sure. Yeah. But yeah, even us just growing up in like the late 90s, early 2000s, like there were times where we were just kind of. You know, we would just go out to the park by ourselves, like mm -hmm. no parents involved. Like it wasn't, I feel like until really recently where helicopter parents became so apparent. Yeah. 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 And I, I yeah. mean, and, and parenting, like even, even as kids that grew up in less of the, in, in what we call the street lamp cans, when the street lamps turned on, you went home. You know what I mean? Like it was mm -hmm. like that time, like even we, at, when we can become parents are becoming those helicopter parents as like we're forgetting our our origins <laughs> really and we're, <laughs> or maybe we're just like no the world's fucked up i know this yeah. <laughs> first-hand oh. experience yeah yeah exactly yeah. this happened to me and i don't ever want it to happen to you and i will shield it from you for the rest of your life yeah <laughs> yeah as a child of the early 90s it was like i think the, sh the shit that i survived it was like yeah it's like you're really looking back. You're like, okay, I was a little lucky there. I had luck on my side. <laughs> and then there's also the theory that we've just been this fucked up for a long time, but no one's been able to film it, so we weren't able to see other people's lives. A hundred percent. Um. All right. Best kill in this movie. I feel like there's, I could... there's a lot of good answers for this one. Georgie. Yeah. Georgie. Yeah. The opening. Establishing. Yeah, that really sets the tone. Oh man, I really like when the um, bully goes and kills his dad, and it's just so creepy. Mm -hmm. Like with him, like walking in, like Pennywise is on the TV and just muttering, mm -hmm. like "Kill him, kill him!" Oh, I love it so much. And then even when he does kill him, you hear like little cheers through the TV. Like mm -hmm. the Georgie one's good, and I like it, especially like if you've seen the TV movie and then watch this, it's like okay, that's very clearly a differentiating point. And it was great that they started the movie with that, I think to sort of show, yeah, this is the kind of movie we're making. But for me, I always like the bully one because it's just like, just how they film it and how it's paced out. It's just so creepy and weird, but I absolutely love it. It's also a great moment when, uh, Mike pushes the bully down the well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's a good scene. Yeah. Okay. Um, dumbest decision in this movie. Were there any? Were there any big dumb dumb decisions? Mm. It's just kids I'll being just kids, like, really. 
I mean, I would uh, say almost like Pennywise, like how often he just like lets the kids go. Like he's he's pretty <laughs> easy on them, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess they kind of like write it off. Like he feeds on their fear, so like killing them is not is like almost depriving them of like yeah. a meal or something. He's, but even that, it feels kind of weird. The like, okay, like there's tons of kids in this town. You're telling me like you can't just like finish one of them off and go feed on another <laughs> yeah. or something like. Yeah, yeah. I think they. I think the, this movie could have done with like one more death in the middle of the movie where Pennywise wins because I feel like he doesn't win enough in this movie. Totally. No, and there there is more kills that they definitely could have pulled from, and I, I feel like the because I think that they published the Carrie Fukunawa script online. I think you can read the whole like original script mm. because it's. I mean, they did cut a a, a fair bit and didn't film a, a bunch of scenes out of it. So I do think there are more kills in the in the script, but yeah, it, it, for, maybe it was just like a pacing thing, but it wouldn't have hurt. I don't think. No. Yeah. Totally. Um, okay. I think it's time to give this movie a score. Uh, what, what would you two give it? Because you're our guest. Uh, out of 10? How do you, how do you rate it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, we usually do out of 10. That's, our, that's where we start off with usually. Um, I give it like an 8.5. Okay. That's basically what I was going to say. I was like riding on an 8.5 to a 9. I don't know. I really like this movie. Even with all its flaws, it's just like, it's just a good time. It's a good vibe for like a horror movie to just like hang out with the kids, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a fun, it's a fun film too. So. Totally. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would, I would say 9 actually. I'm going to change my mind. 9. Okay. I'm going to give it a 9. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I was, before I think I was an 8 and now I'm up to a 9. And, uh, yeah, this movie is a good time. And I think, uh, if anything, like, gets a little depreciated with the sequel <laughs> through residualness. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I still enjoy it quite a bit. Uh, Steve, what would you give this one a score of? Yeah, I'm going to go with the 9 on this one. And it's really where I settled on it when I when I first saw it. And it doesn't depreciate uh, at, at all. Um it's still super effective. Um, my my gripes with it are so minimal that I don't even consider them gripes. Yeah. And uh, like everything is just so well put together. And I I all, like almost feel like incredibly in retrospect like incredibly lucky that we even got that first movie totally. because mm-hmm. uh, like like for for a, a filmmaker a new filmmaker to come in like after creative differences forced to like the previous guy to walk away and everything and for that guy to have um just like not only the smarts but like the balls to be like you know what, I don't think I can do better than this first script we should just work from this because this is fucking great mm-hmm. and I don't know what happened to cause him to walk away but let's just do this and um, I just wish he bought into more of Carrie's ideas for this follow-up because, yeah, <laughs> it is such a vastly... It's fallen off a cliff when you go to that second movie. Like, it's, yeah. it's fucking insane that it's that much worse, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it definitely fell by the wayside, unfortunately. But, hey, you know what? Give it, like, another 20 years, they'll reboot it again. And then <laughs> we'll have even more to complain. Don't be a giant... <laughs> 
there'll still be a giant alien spider in the end, though. Yeah, yeah they'll still yeah. not. They will. Yeah, they will have no idea how to to not tumble into the funnel that is giant alien spider. The directors will be like, "Listen, guys, we've listened to the complaints about the TV movie and the uh, the last two films. So you know what? We've really fixed things. And then even at the end, it'll be like giant alien spider. It'll be like, yeah. but guys, we'll start with it." Better. We'll yeah. Start with it no. yeah, that's what I was going to say. The next time they're going to start with it and work their way backwards. <laughs> so it won't be so disappointing, but it still will be fucking disappointing. <laughs> that's funny. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, you guys, if you're in Vancouver, can watch Crumbs. Uh, again, they can go to the Crazy 8 Films website to buy tickets, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know exactly what the URL is, but just Google Crazy Eights, and you can find tickets to the gala. Uh, you might even if you're out of. I think they try and make it so you have to be in province to buy tickets, but I don't know if there's like some kind of uh, IP address kind of thingy, Ooh. like VPN. If if you want to watch it, if you really really want to watch it, uh, yeah. try that out. I you know I'm not saying they can break the rules, but you can definitely bend them a little bit. Why not? Um, <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I, th- uh, I found it. The URL it's crazy eights dot film is uh, the URL for the for yeah. The and we're inter- we're already getting on our uh, festival circuit entry, so hopefully you'll be able to see it all over the world in the next year. And uh, you can see us on uh, our Crumbs Instagram account, where we're always posting about anything going on. So nice, awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for the time, guys. And uh, again, listeners, go go check out Crumbs. It's a good old time. If you like it, you're definitely going to like Crumbs as well. And uh, yeah, until next time, everyone. Bye for now.